Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. We have a very popular returning guest today, Jess Finnell. She is from the popular Instagram account, Speeches Are Us, and you can also find her on her private practice Instagram, Communicates. So today we are talking all about planning a session on the fly. So first of all, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I love being here. I feel like I need like a frequent frequent buyer punch card or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I love having you on. It's like so easy to chat with you. And I just love, I love all your messages and how you tie things in together. So I really like having you on the podcast. Um, you're just going to be a frequent guest apparently. <laughs> you have to give the people what they want. So, <laughs> okay. So first and foremost, how do you plan a session on the fly? <clears throat> so planning a, I mean, planning a session on the fly, it's a, it's a tough skill to develop. Um, and it's definitely not one that I have perfected, but I like to think that I can, you know, make most things work if I need to. Um, to me, planning a session on the fly means being able to walk into a home or a classroom or speech room and dive right into a session without planning a single thing ahead of time. I used to work in early intervention, which is home-based therapy. And I, I used to walk into families' houses empty-handed and just jump right in with whatever the child wanted to do. And, and I loved it because I didn't have to spend any time prepping. <laughs> and I know, you know, a lot of, a lot of SLPs are so overwhelmed with their prep time and, and um, getting the right activities together. And so being able to uh, plan a session on the fly has been a game changer in my um in my experience, but this is, I'll start with what my sessions looked like when I, um, when I didn't plan them. So this is planning it on the fly, no plan going in. I would walk into the home, greet the child, chat with the caregiver, take a minute to settle in. And usually the child would come up to me and show me something or want to play with this specific toy. And I would just use their toy to target lots of early language skills. So like labeling, combining words, requesting, spatial concepts, prepositions, uh, what am I missing? Answering questions, you know, and on. But it honestly helps that many kids have the same version or, or have, I guess, different versions of the same toy. Um, like, let's see an example, a doll in a dollhouse is really the same as a pig in a barn. You know, like it's, it's a character and a location and you can target all the same things using the doll in the dollhouse and the pig in the barn. You can do, um, you know, labeling and prepositions and, you know, that whole list that I just went through just using different characters. So it's, I guess part of it is kind of having that open mindset of, of like, I can, I can take what I know about let's, let's say prepositions. I can take what I know about prepositions and I can use it with any character, any setting, any toy that the child brings me, I could figure out a way to target prepositions by putting it in different locations um, and, you know, be getting silly with it. And, and um, maybe you hide it and you're playing hide and seek in different locations, or um, you're putting it on your head or next to your head or, you know, something like that. And just, you know, you, you kind of have to get a little bit creative with it. Um, but what does take a little bit more planning, it, you know, it's a little harder to do some, 
sessions on the fly is things with higher level language, um, even like phonological awareness where, you know, you should really have cues, written cues of the sounds and the words that you're working on. Um, but that again, you could do, I mean, you just need a piece of paper really and a marker or, you know, a pen or something and, and you can still work on it and involve um, the same toys and the same games that, that you're using. And um, yeah, it's just, I mean, part of it is just kind of having that open mindset and thinking like, okay, I can, let's, let's take the pig, for example. If you're doing phonological awareness, you write out the word pig and you're saying, oh, okay, what if we cover up the P? Now, like what, you know, and, and just being able to, to um, be flexible with whatever toy the child brings you. And, and if you know the basics and the information behind each skill, behind labeling, combining words, requesting, prepositions, phonological awareness, all of that, then you can just apply it to whatever toy the child wants to play with. I want to talk about like how long it took you to really feel confident in doing this. But before we dive into that, um, one thing I want to say for people in the clinic, because um, I feel like there's a, the version of like going into their house where there's the kids toys that you don't, you might not be as familiar with their toys, but then the clinic, you even have a you even have like another thing because it's even more helpful because you're like, oh, I, I know what toys we have here. So one thing, and I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I'm going to mention it again because it was super helpful for me when I was a student was one of my clinical educators, shout out to Shelby. She was <laughs> the best. And she sat me down in my clinical placement and had me write out because she was trying to teach me how to plan sessions on the fly. And she had me write out very common goals that you've just gone over, um, prepositions, spatial concepts, all of those goals, goals that were commonly targeting with kids because we had a more early intervention population. And then she had me write out toys that we use at the clinic a lot, like certain popular books or Play-Doh, Lego, um, like just all those toys. And then she had me check off how many goals I could target with each of those activities and it's really eye-opening because you realize you're like, wow, I can actually target so much with Play-Doh, but with, what's a toy? Like with- Potato Head maybe. Yeah, sure. With Like with Mr. Potato Head, I could really, I can't target all. Like you, you very clearly see like, wow, this one toy, I can choose it with so many goals. And as a student, I feel like it just really opens up your mind because- she really was like, we need to, she's like, it's great that you like love teachers, being teachers, <laughs> but that's not all we, like that is a lot of prep a lot of the time and it's expensive. So you need to realize like, and it was super helpful anyway. So any students listening, I would do that as a little activity for yourself because it seems simple, but it kind of opens your mind up to how you can use certain toys. And then maybe your go-to when you're running out the door or when a kid's coming in, is going to be like, blocks or something or the swing because you realize oh wait with the swing I can actually do so much stuff with him on it um anyways I thought that was kind of a nice activity for students to really just visualize that that's an awesome idea I love that she had you do that because it helps you I mean conceptually you can be like yeah 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 sure I could target all those all those goals with one toy but actually thinking about okay how am I going to target and and like let's break down and think about like okay if I have potato head how do I, can I, and how do I target all these different goals? And that's, I, I love that she had you do that. That's such a great experience for a student or a young clinician to, um, 
yeah, totally opens your eyes to all the different possibilities that you can do. And then it lowers your prep time, which is the whole point. You know, it's, it's like, you feel confident with, um, you know, with, with a wide variety of toys and, and yeah, it's, that's, that's awesome. I love that she had you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great activity. Like any SLPs who have students, I feel like taking, taking 10, 15 minutes to do that with a student is really helpful for them. Cause I, that, I, I like found that to be very helpful for me. I feel like a lot of people are going to be thinking like, how long did it take you <laughs> to feel confident going into a house with no plan? Cause that's pretty intimidating. So how long is it take you to, to really get comfortable with doing this? That's a good question. I think if I had to put, if I had to actually estimate and put a number on it, I think it can't take me too long. I don't think maybe a couple months of like six to seven hour long sessions a, a day. So like, but I also, you know, again, this was an early intervention and all my kids were under three. So all my kids were working on very, very, very similar goals. Um, so if you're doing, you know, two months of six to seven hour long sessions, five days a week, that's a lot. And you get used to targeting the same thing with very, very similar toys. And um, it kind of comes naturally when you play with those same toys over and over again. But that being said, I'm, I, I'm always still learning. I'm never going to say like, I know every single way there is to play with the potato head, you know, like there's always new, new ways that you could come up with playing. And especially before COVID, I used to collaborate and co-treat a lot with other SLPs and other disciplines. Um, and they would use a toy slightly differently. So then I would try their way of playing with the toy with one of the kids on my caseload and see if that worked or if it's something that I liked. And, and um, you know, so I think a lot of it is you can get comfortable with playing with a toy, but there's always more room for learning and, and more, um, more ways you can incorporate different toys into different parts of your therapy. So, yeah, I mean, it, it took me it took me a little bit of time to get comfortable with it. Um, but you know, I was able to catch on pretty quickly from doing the same thing over and over. It's really nice that you're so open with the fact that it's not something like, it's not like you're like, yeah, um, this is just something that personally came easy to me. And I was just able to do it. Like it's nice when it's nice to touch on the fact that some things are really hard and they're not easy. And sometimes they're hard just as a mental block, because you might be able to do it, but it's a little weird not to prep maybe, but that you kept trying and then you overcame it. And now you it's, I don't know. I think it's important to have that discussion around, like a lot of things aren't easy at first. And then you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And then eventually it's easy and you can do it. So right. it's not like this is just something that comes naturally to us all the time. Definitely not. And I also want to point out, um, you know, it's not like I went home and just never thought about my kids outside of, outside of my work hours. I, like everybody, you know, I am constantly thinking about the kids I'm working with. I literally have dreams about them sometimes. Like they are, you know, they're always on my mind and I'm always thinking about like, how can I support this child better? How can I um, help this parent in a more productive way? Like, you know, it's, even though I'm not spending the time being like, okay, I'm gonna use this activity with this child and this activity with this child, I'm still thinking about like, well, was potato head, like, did that activity really go well? Like, maybe I won't do that next time because, you know, they need something else or they need more cues or supports in a different way in order to be able to play with potato head. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not to say that I don't think about 
the kids and 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 um, think about what's going to be best for them moving forward too. But it's just that I, I'm not spending time like prepping materials and planning for every single minute of the session. When you were mentioning that one of the reasons why this was more doable for you was because a lot of your clients had very similar goals and it had me thinking, yeah, this can be challenging more so when you have very varied um, caseloads. So sometimes you might have like, like I know I have, my oldest is like 23 and my youngest is like two. And so- Wow, that's a huge range. Like, <laughs> yeah. So then that can be a bit more challenging, but that had me also thinking, so like, are you able to do this with all of your clients? Because even just thinking about my caseload, I'm like, okay, there's some clients where I'm like, it just feels like for some reason, it actually is just, I just have so much more prep to do for them. And then some are just so much easier. So are you able to do this with all of your clients? Like, has it come to a point where you're confident with that? Or do you feel like there's certain goals that it's not as easy? Um, I'm definitely not able to do it with all my clients. I'm able to do it with most of my clients. And then it's, it, um, you know, then I kind of batch my clients based on their goals. So if I have, um, you know, if I'm working on our tick, let's say, then I'll pick an activity for that day that I'm doing and I'll find um, target words that are words that have the target sound in them that have to do with that activity. And then I'm using, like I'm using a farm all day long, but I'm, I'm using different sounds for each kid that comes in. So it does, that does take a little bit more planning on the front end, but the next time you have like, so for example, let's say I'm working um, with a child who needs help with their S blends. And so we start working with a farm and we come up with some, um, some words that we can use with the farm. Next time you have a child come in who needs help with S blends, you already have the list of words that you worked on with the first child and the, the different activities and, and um, how you incorporated that into the farm. So when the next child comes along, you just use the exact same blueprint essentially for the therapy session and just do it again with the other child. So, you know, each, each need to have a brand new plan. You can just, you know, come up with your list of target words, implement it with the same toy all day long, and then do the same thing next time you get a new client. I mean, that's how it becomes ingrained and that's how it becomes um, sort of second nature and you don't have to plan because you're like, oh, farm, S blends, I know what I'm doing, boom, I'm ready to go, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I wanna also touch on like why we wanna plan on the fly. And so just like to quickly summarize it, um, if there's like grad students or new students, you're like, they're maybe wondering like, why is there so much talk about why we want to plan on the fly? And like, for me personally, it's just saving money. And when you get paid for a clinic visit and you're not getting paid to prep, you're trying to not spend time that you're not getting paid doing work. It's very important when you're in a private practice setting to work when you are getting paid. And when you're not getting paid, you really need to not be working and it's tempting. And I know we do all think about our clients a lot, but like you can really get caught up in that almost like perfectionist mentality where you're spending all these hours working and you're not getting paid for that. And we need to not do that because it's not okay for us to be working for free. It's just not. So what are your thoughts on that? 
I agree 100%. I'm sitting here nodding like a bobblehead. Like, yes, you are 100% right. We should not be doing any kind of work outside of the hours that we're being paid. I, it's tricky for school therapists, I know, because I know that, that you know, technically their working hours are like eight to three or whatever, but there's so much stuff that they do outside of those hours. And um, there's so much extra work that it, it feels, you know, I know a lot of people can feel really overwhelmed with that schedule. So that, to me, that's even more of a reason if you have so much paperwork and so much report writing and meetings and and all this other stuff, the last thing you want to do is spend your time planning because that's just extra that you have to do. So, you know, it all ties together. And, you know, I completely agree that we should be taking the time that we're not working should really be for ourselves. And we should, as much as we can, try to distance ourselves from the work that we do during the day and have time for ourselves. So the less time that you need to spend planning, the better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. When I first came to Speech Meta, I learned that they have a policy put in place for this, which is not what I've seen at other private clinics where they do 45 minutes like direct time and then 15 minutes indirect time. And so we charge for an hour session and we tell the parents this is for prepping and charting. And so there's a 15 built in. And I was like, I really appreciate this because it often takes more than 15 minutes, especially with COVID and you're cleaning and things like that. So it takes more than that already, but it's really nice to get paid and for there to be thought behind paying someone for what they're doing. And so I appreciated that built in time. So if someone's like starting a private clinic, or I know you mentioned if you're doing an hour session, you leave 10 minutes to kind of do those wrap up tasks, like take time in that hour and give it to yourself. Like I just emailed the mom this morning and she was wanting me to send her more things than I could do in the time after my sessions. And so I said, okay, I'll have to enter session five minutes early. So like you need to, you need to have like boundaries. It's yes. Really, yeah. Yes. That's huge. And that's, that's, um, that's huge for your mental state too, to be able to say, I can absolutely do that for you let's end five minutes early in, in order for me to provide you that, that, you know, those materials or resources or whatever. That's huge. I'm, I'm so glad that you do that. And I love that you do that. And it sounds like speech meta has a really good um, foundation for caring for their employees and therapists and uh, have really worked that into their policies. And I, I appreciate that coming from a place of owning my own practice. And I don't have any employees yet, but I think that's a really wonderful idea because it, it does take time to document and to bill and to, you know, provide all these suggestions and be very thoughtful about it. And um, so, yeah, so I, I appreciate that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to um, just get paid for the work we do. <laughs> what a novel idea. I know. I'm like gushing about, wow, you get paid for all the work that you do. That's amazing. Yeah. We need to have a talk about this. I mean, I have another podcast on like um, more like getting paid properly. Yes, 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 yes. We talked about that before, but um, because even like I had DMs where they're like, are, do you get charged for report writing or do you get charged for this? And it's like, we need to charge for the work we do, but we can do that on another podcast, but I'm very, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to hear that people are doing all this work and then they're not getting paid for it. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And that's, you know, when you said, uh, yes, like you said, we can do a whole nother podcast on this. I could talk about money forever, but um, yeah. Like when you're setting your rate for doing an assessment, 
let's say an assessment takes you an hour, but you still have to spend, I don't know, at least another hour writing the report, you know, so it's, it's so important to include that in your time and even breaking that down for the families like the price includes the report, the goals that I'm writing, the clinical suggestion, you know, all this, all this different stuff, the data, like interpreting the data. I mean, that takes time too. It's a whole, yeah. Yeah. I could, I could go on. I could go on. We like need to do, uh, we need to do a podcast on this because I feel like we need to, yeah, we need to talk about this. We need to break this down. Okay. would love, love to. But yeah, I wanted to like tie that into this podcast because I wanted to kind of remember the, like why we're wanting to plan, why we're encouraging like therapists to reduce their prep time. And this is like why it's very important. And it, yeah. And at the beginning it might, I don't know. And also one thing, like last thing, oh my God, just <laughs> whenever I talk with you, I'm just like, I have so much to say. Um, one and another more- thing, and another thing, yeah. <laughs> um, one more thing I want to say is that when you're starting out, it's going to take you longer. That's okay. It's a learning curve. It's not like, it's not like your first month working, you're going to be like, oh, my prep time is so short. No, like my prep time has decreased every week that I've been working. And just know that, like, it's not like your first couple months of working, you're not going to, you're going to be able to barely prep. Like, no, because you're still going to be like, it's such a learning curve that there's just, you're thinking about so many more things and it's like your first clients and there's so much going on. So I wouldn't expect any new grads to be just right out of the gate, having no prep time, but then it's slowly, you just slowly decrease that. Just, the goal is to decrease it. Yeah. Right. And yeah, as you get more confident, you, you can decrease all of your planning time. And I felt the exact same way when I was first starting out and I would even kind of over plan a session, be like, okay, what are two or three other activities in case the child doesn't like this or like is, we zip through it and it goes so quickly and I, I'm stuck at the end, don't know what to do. I would over plan for a session. And then I was, you know, again, as time went on, you kind of get more comfortable and get a sense of, of how your sessions flow and you're able to, to spend less time planning. So I 100% agree with that. When you're first starting out, there's, there's no expectation for you to have you know, of being able to plan a session on the fly or just walk right into a session. So be kind to yourself and, and know that it takes time to get there. And, and, you know, like you said, each week you get better and better at it. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on again. You're like, you're just welcome back anytime. I love, Thank you. I love being here. <laughs> um, everyone else loves having you on too. That's so kind. Thank you. So um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you more and um, chat with you more on these topics? Yes, please. I love getting messages and DMs from people from these podcasts. And I love chatting with anybody about any topic, really. Um, You can find me. I have two different Instagram accounts. The first one is speeches are us, the letter R. And that is um, that account. I post things mostly geared towards SLPs, uh, like therapy ideas and how to use different toys and stuff. And then my private practice has a speech or well, has an Instagram account. Um, and that is at communicids.slp. Okay, perfect. So everyone go follow Jess there. And if you really like the podcast, let us know, tag us in your um, stories or DM us and let us know. We liked hearing your positive feedback on the imposter syndrome podcast and private practice podcast. I really like to hear from you guys. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. All right. I'll see everybody next Monday.